Welcome to Coastline Church, seeking renewed faith in Humboldt County by being settled and secure in God's love. To learn more, visit coastlinefoursquare.com. I'm going to get rid of this just because I don't feel like it blocks things. Although most of the age was sometimes blocking things is a good thing. So during worship, did God speak to you anything? No pressure, I'll just wait in silence. Yeah, go ahead. Um. When Joyce brought the flags out this morning, it brought me a piece. And just the presence of God. It just, it was awesome. It just was a piece of, in the midst of worship and feeling that. that yeah. Being in Good. And what, what was the feeling you said? So you, you, you saw peace. I felt like angels were flying. Yeah, angels flying around, but the feeling was peace. Yes. Yeah. Emotion of peace. Yeah. Maybe anything else? Any of you have a memory flash in your mind? Oh, yeah. Linda? I just remember um, the day I was saved, August 23rd, 1983. Never forget it. And uh, when I left the lady who was that I said the prayer with, I was just bawling like crazy. So I turned around and, and my head went up and I literally saw Jesus smiling. And then I I was like stunned because I didn't know what Jesus looked like. And so I went back to my seat and I kept looking like, what was that that I saw? You know, I never seen Jesus before, especially on a ceiling smiling down at me. <clears throat> but that has always, his presence has always brought me awe and wonder and the peace. And so his presence has always been that thing that I'm looking for. So you felt his presence and, totally. he, and peace was the emotion. And his delight. Delight. His yeah. delight in me. He was just smiling, this great big toothy grin. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. And I, like I say, I looked for it. I never saw it again. I mean, there... but you can still remember it. Yeah. Totally, like it was yesterday. Good. So this exercise, I, there's a biblical precedent for precedent for this. All through the Old Testament, they're always told, "Remember what God has done in the past. Rehearse it," and they rehearsed it in great detail. And Scripture rehearses it in great detail. Scripture talks about it too in the New Testament, which we'll get to more next week, but. But this is uh, this is engaging all of us with all of him. And the memories, that's why I like a feeling of peace. It's not just the memory of what happened, it's also the memory of what you were feeling. Because when we when we engage with memories with feeling, we relive them, it's a way of, of establishing connection. Um, for whatever reason, we seem to do this naturally with negative things. I mean, I can bring up a trigger thing and someone can say, like, you know, well, for 13 years ago, you know what that guy did to me? And they are fully reliving all the emotions and everything like it was yesterday. So, so we're equipped to feel that, but God says, okay, but take that power and let's use it for positive instead. Okay? I'm not saying this will be a forever precedent, but, but in two weeks, and I'll talk about more of that later, you'll see these papers again. I just... Uh, 
I am finding after discussions on the class I'm taking that sometimes we forget that God's job, God loves speaking to us. And we make hearing him so complicated. And a lot of times he's speaking all the time. We're just not paying attention. And so the purpose of the papers in that isn't to force you to write, but just to give you the option of he may bring something to mind and something that's sometimes it's worth writing down because we will not remember it otherwise. And then it's worth sharing it. Okay, so it's just it's just being a habit. You know, when we read things like Corinthians, you know, when a person comes, let them all come with a word or a thought. And sometimes we make that sound too formal and weird. It's really just as simple as just sharing what Jesus said to you. And, and it is amazing the way he will talk. Um, wasn't planning this, but I, I am going to share this story. Um, so uh, there's a psychiatrist, uh, really godly man. And he, he introduces Jesus into all the therapy. And he had someone who didn't, didn't believe in Jesus all. In fact, the guy said, I'm, a, I'm at least an agnostic. I'm probably an atheist. But I'm desperate because I'm hurting and even said, well, I don't know if you want to come to me because we're going to involve Jesus. And so he starts talking about bad memories. He says, well, what I would want you to do is engage. Like when you're in the middle of that memory of harshness, ask Jesus, where is he in this memory? Ask Jesus to talk to you. And the guy's like, I don't know if I believe in Jesus. He says, I know this is all I do. And then the guy said, well, you know what? I am so desperate. I don't care if you tell me to talk to the Pillsbury Doughboy. I'm in. <laughs> and so then he tries it, and he and all of a sudden he just says, Jesus was here, and this is what he told me, and this is what he was doing, and it was powerful. And and the guy who's sharing the story, the psychologist says, I, I, I just couldn't help but ask him and say, but you say you've never believed in Jesus or never seen Jesus. How do you know it was Jesus? And he goes, oh, man, if Jesus talks to you, you know it's Jesus. And just, I mean, it totally changed this guy's life. <clears throat> and it was from an encounter. And it wasn't like, it wasn't like he had to have a 10-piece orchestra and a choir. He just was trusting Jesus to talk to him. <clears throat> okay. So what am I talking to you about? That These are common verses, and I know I've spoken on them before. And they're very affirming. But today, I'll, I'll tell you frankly, where I'm going with this is, when is it that life doesn't line up with this? So this is Jesus speaking. says, I loved you the way the Father has loved me. I mean, that alone is amazing. So he's saying the way the Father loves Jesus, Jesus loves us. Make yourselves at home in my love. If you keep my commands, you'll remain intimately at home in my love. That's what I've done kept my father's commands and made myself at home in his love. I've told you these things for a purpose, that my joy might be your joy and your joy wholly mature. I know some versions say your joy complete, but it's actually more completion like maturity. And the, the, the idea of a mature joy means it's a joy that sustains you at all times. It's not a giddiness that comes and goes. It's saying it's a mature joy that you're enjoying your connection with God even when things aren't so great. This is my command, love one another the way I've loved you. This is John, so same author, but now it's his epistle, not his gospel. What, we, what was from the beginning, what we have heard, so he's, he's making a big case saying, this whole letter I'm writing to you, I'm writing about you about this because I have been there. 
I have touched and seen this. What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked upon and touched with our hands, <clears throat> concerns the word of life. For the life was made visible, we have seen it, and testified to it, and proclaimed to you the eternal life. That was, with, that was with the Father and was made visible to us. What we have seen and heard, we now proclaim to you. And why? Why is he writing about this stuff? So you too may have fellowship with us. That's the word koinonia, intimate fellowship with us. For our fellowship, our intimacy, is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing so that our joy may be complete. We're writing to you so that you can experience intimacy with us, but our intimacy is all set in Christ and the Father, and this is to lead to joy. Uh, we, we shared this before, and I don't want to get too much into it, but I spent way too much time of my walk, over 20 years of my early life Christian. God still did things that was great, but I was trying so hard to serve him and do things for God. Until God broke me and brought me to a place where I gave up on doing anything for him. And he said, awesome. Now you can learn to enjoy doing all things with me instead of for me. It's this amazing fellowship that can bring us joy. It's a great promise. But then I appreciate scriptures like this. This is uh, Philippians 4. I plead with Euodia and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women, since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice always in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness, or some say tolerance, because it's literally the word tolerance. Let your tolerance or gentleness be evident to all. I like this because he says rejoice always. And he talks about how we have this great intimacy but Euodia and Syntyche were women that actually labored with Paul in the gospel. They're believers. And it seems like they didn't always get along. He's telling them to help them because they aren't of the same mind. And there are times we get worn out. There are times we experience emotions that are not always joy unspeakable and full of the glory. And then what do we do then? So, in, in preparing, just spending time in prayer and thinking about this week, I was reminded of a time when my wife and I were just overwhelmed, okay? We had four kids in the house. I had complications at work. I had a guy, this, this is in the 90s, and so this would have been more money than even today, but I had a guy that owed us like $7,000, actually a little more than $7,000. And then the paper, I found out he's in jail. So it's like, there's, there's not a lot of, not, not a great likelihood it's getting that debt paid. Um, I'm overwhelmed at work. I'm overwhelmed by friends and family. We have, uh, we have friends and family dealing with mental illness and calls and a lot of emotional need and, and the mental illness didn't seem to be getting better. And where I got into was a mind of feeling like people don't want me, they just want me to do things for them. My whole life is me just doing things for people. People don't even want me, and again, I'm not saying this is reality. I'm saying this is, this is a feel it, not fix it. I'm just letting you know what the feelings were. I felt like no matter how hard I work, no matter how hard I work at work, no matter how hard I work on the house when I come home, no matter what I do, it's not good enough. People aren't happy. 
and it's just a life of demands. And whenever we weren't responsible, we were going to a large church, we were going to Faith Center at the time. And we were involved in Sunday school on that. But whenever I was not involved in Sunday school, I tended to find some reason to walk out during worship and I would just start walking down Bay Street. I would just go for long walks. I just, I couldn't take it anymore. I mean, just hearing the well-polished sermon, and it was nothing against the sermon, it's just where I was. It's like, hearing it, these sermons aren't, it's not, it's just not working, Lord. And um, some people, I, I wasn't aware of these terms, but they talk about how you can go into what they call lizard brain. Lizards only have a certain, they only have part of what we have, the amygdala. And it's like the flight or flight response. And then they talk about it goes in enemy mode. Like you stop making connections to people and you start thinking of people as enemies. You don't consciously do that, but it's how you're emotionally relating to them. Or actually what I should say is you're not relating to them because your, your connection circuits, the, the wiring in your brain, they actually research this now, is your brain acts a certain way when you're trying to connect with people. And when you get worn out and you get in bad places, those, those actual parts of your brain turn off. You relate, your circuits in your brain for relationship turn off. And there's symptoms of this. <clears throat> it's the symptom of getaway. And I, I say, it, for me, it applied both ways. There's the getaway like, I just want to get away from all of you. But it's also, of, no, I want you to go away. I want you to get away. <laughs> and you get this feeling of, I just want no one around me. And it's, you know, they talk about the flight or fight, flight or fight or freeze mode. Like, you either want to run, you either want to fight, or you just freeze, meaning you are not going to engage in any way. The mind's locked into something upsetting. You feel overwhelmed. And this was definitely where I was. You, you know, you feel like you just have too much to do with too little to do it. You don't want to be connected with someone you usually like. So... You, you all know, I, I mean, you guys have met Carlos, so you know I married, you know, I, I married out of my league. <clears throat> but, <clears throat> but at that time in life, I didn't even want to connect with my wife. In fact, I was feeling like enemy mode. I didn't know these terms at the time. You're already figuring out what to say before others finish. Like you're in a conversation and you have no patience to let them finish the, what even they're saying. Mm -hmm. You already figured out what you want to respond. Mm -hmm. You're judging, you're trying to fix them. You snap at people or you went to. Like, you know, I'd gotten old enough where I could control and not snap at people, but I sure wanted to. In fact, I'm rehearsing in my mind what I really want to say. You're distracted by dread of an upcoming event or even just meeting people. And then this is the other one that applied to me. You shut down inside. You disengage emotionally. You're just going through the tasks and the motions. So it's like, fine, what do you want me to do? I'll just do it. You want me to act happy? Sure, I'll smile. You know, whatever you want, I'll just do it. And it's a slave mind, but I'm not talking about like being a servant of all and enjoy. It's like, okay, fine. I just want to do, let me just endure this, get it over with, and then let it end. Make sense? See how this is not a wonderful lot of fun? So, this, in the middle of this, um, Carl and I had an, uh, I wouldn't say it wasn't, it wasn't like a fight. But we just had a talk where we definitely weren't connecting, we were disagreeing. And I just had to go to work. It was like, I just need to go. And I'm going to work and I'm driving. And while I'm driving, I'm just like, God, everything I touch is turning to stone. Nothing's working. The church we tried to plant died twice. I mean, it's like, 
It's just nothing is working. What is going on? And God gave me a memory. And so I'm telling you, I'm telling you a memory of God giving me a memory. So I'm a memory of a memory while driving. And while I'm driving to this job, he reminds me of when I was years ago, before Carl and I were married. So it's weird, this memory was years ago, but he's telling me about something even further back. Before we're married, I'm riding in a car and someone else is driving, and Carl and I had just started dating. <laughs> and we're going by her house, and I know we're going by her house, because she lived on a house on Muscombe Hill, so it's like, when you have Muscombe Hill, you can't help but go by the houses. There's only one road. And it's not like I could stop to say hi or anything. I'm just riding with the guy, and as I drive by the house, I'm getting kind of excited, like, hey, I may see her car, and I may see her walking to her car. Now remember, at that time when I started the conversation emotionally, I'm feeling in enemy mode with my wife. But he's reminding me of, yeah, remember you were going by there? And you got excited thinking, if I could just see her walking to the car, that'd be really fun. I'm not even driving. We got to go on to the job. I'm not going to say hi to her. I just want to see her. And I couldn't see her. She, she wasn't outside. And yet, I was still excited just to see the house she was in. So he brings me this memory. And then right away, I mean, I'm hitting that memory is hitting me. And then he gives me this other memory. And it's the memory of the delivery of our son. And our son, there were complications at birth. And so Card is laboring apart. And as she's having this hard, painful labor, all of a sudden I see the nurses whispering to each other. And then they scurry out. The doctor comes in. He scurries out. Then they start bringing all this equipment in. And then they bring out the salad forks and, and these really long needles. And salad forks, I mean the tongs where they have to pull the kid out. And just the anguish and the worry. But he reminded me of this presence being there. And he reminded me, and I don't say it, it's like just this feeling of my wife is awesome. Because she's in all this pain. And all she's thinking about is, how's the baby? How's the baby? Like, like, I mean, this is excruciating. There's all this stuff going on, and all she's thinking about is him. Make sense? Why do you think God would bring those memories to my mind? To teach you. Okay, to teach me? Change your attitude. Okay, change my attitude, but how? Specifically, how is he changing my attitude? By giving you something positive instead of the negative. Right, so it's something positive in a memory. So what he's done is, the one I'm feeling unattached to, he reminds me of a memory that stirs an emotion. Okay, and, and most of you know, I mean, I taught math, I'm clinical, I mean, on the anagrams, which I don't honestly believe in, I'm a three. I was driven for success. Emotions, I mean, most of my life it was like, emotions are just a nuisance you like to get rid of. Let's get to work. But God gives us these memories and he actually stirs up emotion. Because it stirred up emotion first of the attachment. Like, remember why you married her? Remember these feelings? And then all the emotions flooded again about my son. And the very kids that I feel like are now frustrating and demanding. It's like, do you remember the joy? Do you remember the anxiety? And then you remember the peace you had? And then even the joy when he started crying. Because he came out blue when he came out not breathing. And so then he finally started crying. And it was like, I know crying is supposed to be annoying, but that wasn't annoying at that time. At that time, it was like a huge relief. <clears throat> Just by bringing those memories, 
my attitude changed. Because I would bring it to you, an encounter with God includes emotions, whether you're aware of them or not. And emotions actually do matter. We don't make decisions on emotions. Okay, I taught decision-making. I was paid to make decisions. And I learned ignoring emotions doesn't give you a way to make better decisions. Because if you ignore emotions, you will make emotionally driven decisions. You just won't be aware of it. It's an awareness of emotions that gives me the freedom to talk to God freely and sort out what he's really doing. This is the rest of Philippians 4. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Conversations of gratitude and awareness, that's what leads to reality. Because what happens when our brains react to things and we start feeling hopeless and lost is we have now let our perspective, or I'd even say we're letting our emotions tell us what reality is. And the way you get back into what's really reality is by reconnecting with God and other people. And it's by this thanksgiving that we reconnect with God. It's by memories of what is worthy and what's what's, uh, true and noble and right. As we reconnect with that, that is how we get to understand, no, God's presence is here. And as I'm aware of his presence, I now find out what's reality. Otherwise, I end up trapped in negative emotions or negative thought. Um, There's like we've often said, uh, I will enter his praise with thanksgiving. No, sorry. I will enter his courts with thanksgiving in my heart. Right? So we enter his courts with thanksgiving. Okay? We've said before, well, God inhabits the praises of his people. The reason why I'd like us to practice having positive memory and sharing them in church is because I want you to actually get in the habit of sharing what God's done for you everywhere. I mean, I worked at a secular school, and I would share with people what God had done for me. And people would say, I actually had some Christians telling me I should quit because you can't be in a place where God isn't. And I would tell them, no, God is in that place. The secular place I'm in, God is in there, first of all, because I'm there. And he's anywhere I am, he's here. Oops, sorry. (laughs) He's here. But the other part is, God inhabits the praises of his people. That doesn't necessarily mean seen in church. Any time you talk about something good that God has done, that is a praise. He inhabits it. So if I'm sharing with somebody the good God has done, God is inhabiting that conversation. Make sense? Okay, well, that's good. Because <clears throat> I, I want us to develop habits of this, habits of listening to Jesus, habits of being joy-fueled, meaning we run on joy. Because um, fear and anger is often used to motivate us, but it will ruin you. We were made to run on joy. And uh, in fact, uh, a podcast, I'm not big on podcasts, but there's one podcast I love, and it's called Joy Fueled and Jesus Led. And it's just stories of encountering joy and being led by Jesus, even in harsh things. So where I'm going with this, we okay with this so far? Okay, well, good, because we've got to do this anyway. So next time I speak is on the 30th. 
And I want to talk about God's provision, God's, well, I don't want to say too much because I want to see what you get. But um, in Isaiah 55, there's a powerful invitation by God. And I want us to think of it not just physical, but also emotional. And so what I want you to do for homework is Isaiah 55 has verses 1 through 13. You're not required to focus on 1 through 13. Um, honestly, if we only get through verses 1 through 5, that would be wonderful. Like if I was to plan a sermon on Isaiah 55, I would probably only do the first five verses in one day. But I want you to read the whole thing once and then go back and read it until you encounter Jesus, until you hear God speak something, until you hear God explain to you it. I want you to use your imagination. Imagine a person giving you this invitation. Imagine who he's giving the invitation to. What is he inviting you to? What do the people look like they're being invited? And, and there's no right or wrong answer. I'm asking you to have God in your imagination take you somewhere. Okay? Because it's an amazing invitation that God gives in Isaiah 55. And to engage with it, I want you to picture it actually happening. What does it look like? Because now I'm going to talk more about this whole idea of engaging with God and engaging with each other. And we talked about positive memories, and eventually I want to even get to what do you do when a bad memory comes up? Because God, God does not believe in suppressing emotions. You know, if you have triggers in your life, God would like to fully heal them. And sometimes it helps to invite God into why you get triggered. Make sense? Yeah. So that's where we're going in two weeks. As for now, <clears throat> when you feel like your spouse is your enemy, I encourage you to go somewhere with God and ask God, give me a memory of how awesome they are. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of you have heard, I, I, I have the gift of insomnia. I spend a lot of mornings just asking God, bring to mind the people around me. Bring someone to mind and tell me something awesome about them. And it's amazing how that just sets a tone for my day of participating with Holy Spirit. Yeah. Okay, I can't wait to just sit here and think in all the years I thought I was a Christian. I planned on being a Christian. I uh, did things that I, I thought were, and I've never experienced till now. And this is the greatest memory I will probably hold on to that I can explain and tell you when we had that wreck uh, a few weeks ago, um, out of the blue, um, just having an ordinary nice day, and we're just driving along, coming home, and and Daryl loses his footing, which at the time we weren't aware of what is going on, and he's just like screaming at me, but I have never, ever, ever experienced the peace I had that day of sitting there in the front seat with my arms in front of me as we are heading for a terrible crash. And and my husband is like, I, I all I can tell you, it felt like flying, like flying. And I remember the thought, I wonder where we're going to land. It was so calm. I wonder where we're going to land. I never got a tight 
I never thought. Scared? I, I My husband is a mess, but I am sitting there and watched how we landed when we did land and what we missed afterwards. We missed a casualty. We missed a horrible thing, and we missed them both. We missed hitting the rear end of a car at a stoplight, and he's he knows it, and it's almost like God took his arms and, and this way, and then we're headed for a gas tank in the gas station. We're heading for where a man is standing there putting gas in his car, and he knows his wife is sitting in the car behind him. He's thinking, oh my gosh, this guy's going to hit us, and we're going to blow up. I mean, this is going to be horrible. I didn't know any of that that was going on. And as we came around and landed, so to speak, and casually rolled in to a service station garbage gate that's guarding the garbage dump so people won't get in it. And it was, we went right through that gate. We just, we just went slow. I never once felt a peace, nothing but peace that I can tell you is real and God gave it to me. And if that won't ever be a memory for me, yeah. I don't know what else will. Yeah. It was real. It was so real. And I'm, what, in my 80s? And yet I'm thinking, how come I've never experienced that before? It's because he's shown himself to me. For where I'm at, I may go blind, who knows, within a week's. But I have peace. Amen. Amen. My friend always told me, 80 relative to eternity is still zero. <laughs> We're all the same age. We're zero compared to eternity. Mm -hmm. we, got, we got a long way to go. Yeah. Yeah. I love that, though, that feeling of peace. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And also the memory that it's going to, it sticks with you. Yeah, is, I know it will. Yeah. You know, uh, it will. I love that. The peace of God transcends all understanding. Yeah. We just cannot. Oh. It's beyond. The beyond. Yeah, it really is. It really is. Yeah. So, we'll plenty of time before River. Anybody else want to share? God, we thank you for golden memories. We thank you that you brought us here. We thank you that you love us. Father, that the way you and Jesus love each other, we're right in that same mix. Yeah. We thank you we're one with you. We want to experience joy with you. Yeah. And we want to walk with you. Yeah. We want to see people come to you, but we know we can't share what we don't have. So God, I ask that you increase the joy in us so it overflows where people will want to come and talk to us. Do we be people that so flow with joy, people will want it. Amen? Amen. Thank you for joining us today at Coastline Church. To find out more information, please visit coastlinefoursquare.com.